Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have David Sakamoto, VP of Customer Success at GitLab. In this episode, we talked about how David remembers names leading a team of over 200 people, the biggest differences between company giants like Cisco and hypergrowth startups like GitLab, and what David's vision is for the customer success team at GitLab. We also discussed why a customer success team should be orchestrating the customer experience across the board, the hiring process at GitLab, and how to maintain your company culture and values during rapid company scaling. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael. And here's today's episode. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Andrew. I'm looking forward to it. It's great to have you. For the listeners, David is the VP of Customer Success at GitLab, a DevOps platform delivered as a single application. Prior to GitLab, David was the head of customer success in the Americas for Cisco, leading a CS team of over 200 people and accountable for $2 billion plus in bookable business and $350 million plus in expansion revenue. So my first question for you today, David, is, how do you remember people's names? Leading a team of 200 plus, you can't possibly know everyone, or do you? No, you can't possibly know everybody. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough challenge, uh, I think. But ultimately, I think one of the things you want to make sure is you build, when you get to that scale, you need to build and communicate both the vision and also message it and make sure that you're building avail making yourself available to connect with the team whether or not you can remember every every single person's name i think yeah. it, to me it's really important to maintain contact with the team and make myself accessible in a lot of different forms and open the channels and what sort of forms do that look like then so like turner plus like how do you scale that and efficiently put yourself out there to make sure you're available for the team you know i think there's a couple of things you know in first is building the the, the culture values around you know, I'm accessible. If you need to reach out to me at any time, you're welcome to do so. Now, you want to make sure you're cautious so you don't overstep your managers and um, disarm them, you know, take away their ability to lead and, and manage a team. But I think just building a culture and being responsive to make yourself available, whether it's Slack channels, we do a lot of things like all hands and coffee chats and just set up informal meetings just to connect with the team. Uh, back in the day when we actually were in person, you know, we also did a lot of in-person events and I, you know, fly to a lot of the local sites and connect with the team and spend time. Uh, 
in, in a virtual environment, you have to take slightly different approaches, but the same concepts apply. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and also, you like you've had quite a few different roles. Uh, looking at the background and where you come from, like how did you end up where you are today at GitLab? How did like customer success like uh, roll into your path? Yeah, it's a, I've had a very interesting and eclectic journey. I, I oftentimes think of it like if those that remember, I may age myself a bit, Cain uh, from Kung Fu that kind of roamed the planet. And I kind of took that and just from my career, I just generally followed things that were interesting to me. And while it wasn't clear at first, if I look back now, all of them were related to serving other humans and helping customers. Um, but doing it in different ways. So I, you know, started doing process engineering and doing program management. So how do you bring things together, you know, you, yeah. you know, cross-functionally, uh, led services, uh, led operations. One of the roles at my at Cisco was I led a large engineering team of about 350 people. And but if you know, so I, I kind of came around. I had an interesting interview one time when someone said, I, "I can't figure out what you are. Are you a services person? Are you an ops person? Are you an engineering person?" And luckily for customer success, I think all of those attributes are really valuable and helpful if you think of, you know, interconnecting multiple groups to build a, a shared and unified experience for our customers. And how do you build something that scales, like leveraging the operational pieces? How do you partner with the product teams, leveraging a lot of that engineering background? Uh, and how do you bring that services mindset that comes with really good services people, that commitment? to making sure that customers are successful. So uh, luckily customer success came, otherwise I'd probably be still wandering around and, and doing some odd job at some interesting uh, industry, but I guarantee I'd be having some fun. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, definitely like I agree with you on the sense that like having this background is really powerful because like you mentioned, like the customer success role is you're the customer's champion internally. You're the one trying to fight to get the best for them and ha having the ability to be able to communicate and operate and work within the organization to get the best for your customers, no matter if it's working with support or sales or product, having the background and understanding to maybe have a technical discussion with somebody in product and then to jump onto a more sales driven uh, conversation with someone in sales. Like I think, those skill sets are really, really powerful to have, to get that leverage within the organization, to be taken seriously by people and to uh, make an impact. So yeah, I think, I think one, one thing, which is one comment, I think one thing that's really valuable is the empathy and understanding and trying to look through their lens. So as yeah. you're, if you're kind of looking to build like a integrated experience, you have to partner with all, all these functions and appreciating their view and their constraints and their goals is really helpful to build those, build that interlock. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, you nailed it, the empathy, having empathy to understand what they're going through. Because also like a lot of times you push for certain things, you're asking for help, but without understanding maybe what's in their backlog, like uh, how much stress and pressure is coming from other areas, like knowing that it sort of gives you that inside edge to uh, get your, your foot in the door. So you, you were then as well, like you mentioned, Cisco, 350 people actually leading a team. Now GitLab, um, what does the team look like? How big is it? 
We're 134 people now. The team we have 134 team members in customer success now. Oh wow! So growing really fast as well. And uh, I think like I'm interested to hear a little bit about the differences between the two companies. So I think like Cisco definitely a giant now. Like GitLab an up and coming giant. So different probably different stages of growth when you're at the companies. Like what would you say is like the biggest difference that you see between the two? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I value both experiences. And at Cisco, it's an engine, right? It is a go-to-market engine uh, and and quite successful. So, you know, at a fairly large, a couple of reasonably large teams there, uh, and it's great because once once you get integrated into the engine, uh, it it really moves. And there's a lot of... uh, uh, tailwinds that help really drive your programs and initiatives. The challenge with that is it's oftentimes pretty complicated to get it into the engine, you know, through working through in, in stakeholders, working through internal processes, systems to connect and work through and weave through them and the politics associated with that. Uh, so it, it, it takes time. Um, but but it's a really good skill set to see. I think I learned a lot in terms of what does scale look like? What does good scale look like? And, and, you know, not everything's perfect. What does bad scale look like, too? So I think you take, you know, and I take learnings from every role, but I value those from Cisco uh, because I think it helps when I come to a company like GitLab. When we started, there were 40 people and literally we scaled up to about where we are now within a year. And so... I leverage that experience to help me paint the picture what the North Star looks like. And that North Star is gonna take us years to get to, uh, but it gives me a framework that I can apply, but also you can't just take one thing and put it in the other, like really understand the customers, understand the, the culture and values of the organization and how do you make it GitLab and not a Cisco inserted into GitLab. And so I think you kind of bring your learnings and you you understand, like, it's like DNA. You have to, the DNA, the organization, the product, the values that come with that. And then how do you apply those to the DNA of the, of the new company or GitLab? And so what I really appreciate out of GitLab is the ability to move fast, right? We move incredibly fast. And I thought I moved fast until I came to GitLab and I was like, wow, this, I was actually invigorated. I was like, oh my gosh, I can actually do all these things and I accomplished probably in three to six months, what it took me, I didn't even partially complete at, at Cisco in a year and a half. So the ability to move quickly and having uh, a CEO that um, articulates and communicates strong values of iteration and transparency, you know, really were invigorating to me and allow us to build in a way um, much faster, not only within our team, but supporting stakeholders and partners that we're working with to do so. So, um, you know, again, I value both, um, uh, but I, I really love the the speed and iteration and the ability to drive results and 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 succeed and fail very quickly and 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 keep iterating. Yeah, it. I think definitely, obviously, GitLab on a huge growth trajectory as well. Like you say, you joined forty, I have one hundred and fifty now. Uh, so it sounds like having that good background experience of how to operationalize at scale uh, allows you to sort of uh, do the same thing uh, now at GitLab. And be- before we got going as well on the show, you sort of uh, started touching on this concept of like what customer success is. And uh, maybe you could elaborate for us, like 
what is your vision for customer success at GitLab? Where do you see it going? Like, what do you see the function and the role of customer success there? Yeah, and, and there's a there's a definition of it from Lincoln Murphy that I really like because it's really simple. And it, it's customer success is when customers achieve their desired outcome through interactions with your company. And the reason why I like that definition is because it captures the philosophy that I work to as a company-wide view of customer success in the sense that you, it's not just a department. So yes, you have a team. We have work, we have TAMs, technical account managers, or you know, other companies have CSMs. But, and we have other, we have professional services and our solution architects. But I look at it as not a department. If you think of what customers, if you deliver on someone's outcome, it's how do you set expectations? And that's marketing. Um, how do you get that value message out to customers? What expectations are set during the sales process? And then ultimately, when you close that deal, it's your success manager, TAM, that's building out that, that customer outcome. Um, and they're working through, and they're going to, you know, ultimately, we want to make sure they're successful with the product. And so you have to work with the product team. Um, and you have to build an operational framework. So you probably have, you know, ops, sales ops, finance, um, people ops, that all come together in order to form that experience. And, and from a culture perspective, you want to you want to make sure that your customers have it, a unified experience, not handoffs. And so if you think of that in a, from a systems view, a customer is going to flow through this customer journey from the, the buyer's journey into the adoption journey. And you want to build that unified experience and ultimately um, make sure they get value and outcomes through use of your product. So again, if you look at that, it's not, yeah, the success team is core to that, but there's a, almost every part of the organization plays a part in building that experience and outcome for the customer. Yeah, absolutely. I love that as well. Like we talked about this on the previous episode as well. Like I think for me, building products more often than not as well, like in companies, you sort of say, okay, product is the God that's the center. It's the most important thing in the company. But I think when you're building software, like your company is the product and like not even when you're building software in general, like every touch point your customer has, you mentioned like marketing is the messaging. Like I see it as the wrapping that goes around the box. Uh, the customer is going to open up and uh, like the sales and success, like the, this is just the support that goes behind it or that's the person in the showroom who's there uh, selling you the car or, or so forth. So I think like every touch point that you have with customers really creates this whole end-to-end -end experience. And so you mentioned then again, like this this idea of customer success yes like it has so many different touch points it's really important do you see then is it the role of customer success to ensure that they're the ones sort of taking charge on this experience and coordinating with the different departments because like i could see maybe marketing a bit of a stretch but i think definitely on the sales you mentioned like there's the handoff uh, sort of thing that you never want to get it in on into like you have the operational side with legal and so forth which to a large degree like a lot of the times it's customer success working with the customer to make sure they're getting that legal component so how do you see like customer success like um, csm as role in coordinating this experience across uh, the board yeah absolutely i think the and i'll just use csm just for the for broader use and application uh, but i absolutely think the csm should be uh, orchestrating, and I think that's an important word because they're they're working. But again, they're all also orchestrating, leveraging a lot of other assets and um, team members within the organization. So I think they play a fundamental role. I'm not a huge fan in terms of asking asking and answering the question who owns the customer because the the company owns the customer, just like you said, right? It, it's really about 
having clear roles and responsibilities are racy around who should be engaged for the appropriate um, touch point with the customer at a given situation or given point in their life cycle. So um, when the sales process is complete and the customer's beginning their adoption journey, you know, you really look at that CSM as, as that primary point of contact. But again, there's a lot of other uh, stakeholder partners are going to play a role in obviously product in that, in that overall customer experience. Yeah. So like I like to say, they're sort of orchestrators, the ones they're uh, making sure bringing everything together. So uh, the other thing then, like uh, going back again to sort of the growth that you've seen now uh, at GitLab and building out that organization, uh, 40 to 150, when you join sort of what were some of the challenges that you joined to solve and what are the challenges you have today? And maybe just talk us through the path of that growth, like from 40 to 150, like what was uh, the plan in mind? Like what were, what was the growth needed for? What are the areas of specialization or focus that you started to scale? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think if, you know, there's a, there's a couple different things that, you do as part of that scaling process. I'll, I'll pick three. Obviously, you have to hire a bunch of people, right? Because we all talk about systems and tools and process, but at the end of the day, you know, unless you're running a full digital motion, which we are working to build, um, it's your people that are doing all these things, right? We're not a bunch of AI robots getting all these things done. So versus is scaling and, and having the right profile in the right process in uh, ensuring that you're onboarding the team members to support your go-to-market goals. So that's the first one. The second is building out that overall journey. So, and I can go into what that means, but building out success plans and how do you, you know, the overall vision for what the customer journey is, what the experience you want to build to, and then all of those processes, procedures, playbooks, templates, enablement that go along to, to build that out. We can talk about that. And then the third piece is culture and value, right? One of the things when you scale this quickly, the one can one thing you need to preserve are your values. And at GitLab, we, we highly treasure those. And it's probably the, the company that has had has the strongest, most robust set of values that are totally integrated in everything we do. And so you want to make sure you're preserving that, especially in companies that are scaling really rapidly, because you bring in a bunch of people that don't align and all of a sudden, you know, your culture is going to change whether you like it or not. So um, I, that's really important during the scaling process. Um, um, so it, it, is there any specific area where I can, I can probably talk through each of those each three. one of those individually. Yeah. yeah. Each of those three probably has a, its own conversation. Yeah. So I, I think like from your side, which area do you think has had the biggest impact on the team where it is today? Uh, is it sort of just the hiring side? Is it the operational? Is it the culture? And I'm probably leaning towards culture. Like, what are some of the things that, because uh, I, yeah. I totally agree with you, like culture, it happens whether you like it or not, and it's up to you to mold it and guide it. And uh, at that speed and pace of growth, like what are some of the things that you're looking to do to instill in the culture within the team? Like how are you ensuring that uh, the, the culture continues even with new hires. And I think particularly as well, bringing on new leaders as well, like even for yourself, like joining uh, GitLab of a day, it's like, what was that process like for you to make sure that like, these were actually the values that you uh, were going to be happy to buy into to make sure that you uh, like held the torch forward going forward? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, the 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 one of the top three reasons why I came to GitLab were the culture and values of the organization. And, um, you know, we have a, so that was one of the things that, that drew me. And I think as you look at building out your really important as you build out your leadership team, you know, you want to make sure that you're continuing to bring in people that those values are native to them. Right. So when you interview, you want to test like, oh, you know, you know, you, the why, 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 you know, the you peel back, peel back, peel back. And you don't necessarily have to ask the question, but you can ask questions that direct and show um, their examples and articulation of those values. So sometimes I will say, ask someone in a CSM role, can you give me an example where you put a customer's uh, needs in front of your own or potentially even the companies that were kind of resistant to the company? And tell me about that. How'd you do that? And you go peel into that. Um, but I, I think as you hire people, it's really, really important. But culture and values are there's a it's a multi-dimensional thing. So one is who you bring in. Um, I think leadership is really, really critical. Like, are you articulating it? Are they role modeling it? Are they talking about it? Even just the the process of talking about it shows it's valuable, especially at the leadership level. And then if you break it down, and we talked about then who you hire, fire, and promote. And I've heard an interesting thing around culture and values. It's your culture is defined by your lowest common denominator, what you're willing to accept, right? So if you take the, the negative aspect of that, you know, if, if people are not aligned um, to the values, you know, that will that's also a telling and, and driving force there. And then also the, the, the third factor is, you know, the, the processes and procedures. So when you do promotions or bonuses, they're all centered around our values and are in the process to promote those are centered around that. And then the, the fourth component is, are you measuring it? So this is probably the most challenging one is, you know, are you doing sur surveys is probably the best approach for that because you can't really plug in a USB port in someone's neck and get a values read from them. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's multidimensional around leadership, around hire, fire, promote, um, your, your operational processes. And then are you, are you measuring it and observing it? Yeah, we actually did something very, very similar at Hotjar, uh, specifically as around like reviews and uh, promotions and sort of uh, the sort of a seniority was always around like uh, the core values and uh, the surveys would go out to the team and like, how is this person living up to the core values? Um, and which areas do they show the strongest? Which areas can they have improvements? And uh, I think like uh, this is a really, really powerful way to keep you thinking about them constantly and like working towards them because a lot of times like they end up just dying in that uh, slide deck yeah. that gets sent out to the org and this is what we believe but this we don't really do anything about it, them and it's not about putting posters up on the wall or you know something like that and and, it, and for those that are looking to transform just pick a, pick one or two of the things that I just named and start doing those and probably the most simple the simple one is just talk about it if you're in leadership have yeah. a discussion. Are we truly living up there? Are these the right ones? And and it, it just it just sends a very message and, and makes it real. And then I think the one thing that challenges, like you mentioned, as you scale really fast, the culture is going to change whether you like it or not. It's like, and I think with that, values change too, in the sense that uh, there may be the four or five founders or five people on the team who got out, set out a certain set of values that aligned with them back then. But then as this culture starts to grow and things, so how do you sort of 
then as the, this rapid scaling like reevaluate the values, how do you make sure that the company is still aligned behind them and uh, making sure you're iterating on them? Yeah, and and I'll, and I'll pick two, and the the ones that I hold very dearly to myself are are transparency and iteration. And so, and what's interesting is I view since I started in where I'm now, the transparency value has not changed. And, and, and fundamentally, I don't, I can't project it changing greatly unless maybe and when you go in a public market, there, there's probably certain things we have to kind of pull back on. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it's something that's, you know, I, and, and even for me that I see myself as a very transparent person, I don't, I've never experienced anything as transparent as, as GitLab. Literally everything, all of our processes, procedures, everything is open to, on the internet. You can look at it and, you know, use it for yourself and contribute. Um, everybody can contribute as one of our um, key themes. Um, but I'll, I'll pick the second one is iteration. And that one has evolved, you know, and it needs to evolve. So when I started interviewing, we had 453 people. And I think I st- when I started, which was, I think, two or three months later, we had 550. So literally, there's a like 100 people increase in a couple of months. And when you're at that size, iteration means something different than where we are now, where we're 1,300 pe- plus people in 65 countries. So yeah. your iteration needs to be a little bit different, especially in your highly cross-functional. So a lot of things that I'm working on, or one of the key things I'm working on is very cross-functional. So what it means to iterate needs to also start to consider other teams because it is impactful. So you can iterate in a small organization and not have as much impact. And now there's certain things like what we're driving in with product analytics and telemetry that have a lot of touch points across the company. And um, we have to be thinking differently what iteration means in that context. And we want to keep true to the value and move quickly and not build the perfection, but build to the next iteration. Um, but we also, in certain aspects, have to think about, okay, how do we do this in lockstep with the data team or with marketing or with product or with sales? So um, we've got to build some of those muscles while still staying true to the, the core value. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and can definitely see how uh, some of those values like in the early days like um, make a lot of sense and you can do them. But then when you start getting to that scale, you start stepping on toes and you might end up, uh, the quick iterations might end up slowing the company down as opposed to in the early days like really gave you that advantage. Uh, I'm interested then as well, like you touched on like three different areas. Uh, You've talked about sort of the growth uh, within the org that you've had. As a leader then in customer success at GitLab, like how are you measured on success? Like what are your goalposts? What have you set as well? And uh, like, how do you know when you're doing a good job? Yeah. Right now I'm, we're, I'm measured on net retention effectively. Uh, we are building out, one of the things that we are building out are, are getting much better with our um, product utilization product usage. And so as we build that out and get mature, we'll, we'll, we'll be shifting those around, you know, adoption, retention, churn. Um, so it, it, I think at the end of the day, like ultimately we're still driving to that same top level number, but we'll probably get a little bit more specific with our comp variables um, and weight them according to where the business is at a given time. 
Um, so, you know, as we build out our customer journey, as we get better metrics and insights, we'll, we'll be tuning that comp. But I, I don't see it fundamentally changing because ultimately we're there to retain customers and expand customers. Um, and we do that through driving those outcomes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I think the argument though, again, with this is always like, there's so many different inputs. So, and a lot of the times like, okay, customer success is the orchestrator that needs to get product that needs to get everybody aligned. But some of the time it's difficult to get that alignment, right. To get the power that you need, maybe in product, you might be missing a specific feature or bugs went out that caused uh, certain aspects or marketing's sending out the wrong signals or sales being too aggressive and closing the wrong deals. Like, and then at the end of the day, you're responsible for making sure that you have net retention uh, where it needs to be. It, it feels like an almost unfair position, but at the same time, I get like that's what you're hired to do is to do that job. So maybe going back to the end of the show, like just become better orchestrators, making sure that you can uh, sync up within the org and uh, come back to it. But uh, how do you view it though? Like uh, in, in an ideal world, let's put it that way. Like obviously because uh, things move so fast and it's not easy always to have what you want exactly. But if you had it your way today, like how would you want to be measured? Uh, like what would you say would be the best way to measure the performance of your team and the impact that you have on the company? Yeah, I... I you know, I, I understand that the success of, you know, if you take that net retention is based on a lot of team members, you know, a lot of organizations, but I invite that. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why we're in this job. And so uh, for me, fundamentally, I, I have no issue with that. And I actually don't, I, I think it's the right measure. Um, and when we talk about building that company-wide customer success, it's it's as a part of my job, it's my responsibility to build those right connections to working with product and making sure that we've got the right support if there's issues or and we've got the right connection and partnership with them to help bring that voice of customer back to the product team so we get the right, um, to help them make the right decisions to ensure that we have the right solution for our customers. Um, and working with sales to make sure that we're positioning properly, we've got the right transition um, so to me, I think that is the right goal because I think of customer success in the sense that we are driving those outcomes for customers. We're driving those experiences. We're making sure they're getting value. Um, but we're doing that, you know, we are a business and we're, we are doing that to both protect and preserve our revenue and growth. Um, yeah. And I think it's very important to be, you know, transparency or, you know, I would say this in front of any customer and I think they would appreciate and, and understand, greatly understand that because if we continue growing, it continues to allow us to do things like continue investing in the product and make it better for them. Um, so I think, you know, I truly look at our engagement with our customers as, as a partnership and, you know, we're, we are here to, to build a business and we need to ensure that the, the financial aspects are there for us to continue to grow in a healthy way to continue to serve our, our customers. So I think that there, you know, I, I could break down into, you know, expansion, gross retention, uh, you know, probably building in aspects of driving really adoption. So as we get build that, building better adoption measures that lead, you know, leading indicators that lead to those financial measures. So those are the probably the areas that we're that we we still are working to build and evolve. But I but I, I do agree at the end of the day, it's a financial 
you know, you need to be connected financially to the go-to-market motion. Yeah, I, actually, I like. I think you're swaying me a little bit in the thinking on this, and I like it uh, because it, it doesn't happen often. But I like it, it goes back to the beginning, like what we were talking about in the sense like customer success is more than just like a CSM role. Like it's really about, like uh, I think what you're getting at as well is actually taking the word extremely literal. Like your job as a customer success is the customer's success. Uh, and it doesn't matter what you're doing within the company. Like you just really just need to make sure that you're focusing on them being successful. And I think maybe this is also why, like a lot of times when we have discussions about the CSMs, they're thinking literally about their role and their function and what they need to do, as opposed to what the customer needs to get done and what their customers are trying to achieve. And if the product's not right, it's your job in customer success to get the product, your job to work with them to ensure that they're getting the feedback, the inputs and so I love that. I think it's a, it's an yeah. interesting. I, I think ultimately, you're, if if you make customers successful, yeah. they're going to continue um, continue with your service and and, and, and continue in, in investing in it. So um, I, I don't just pick the financial. I, I, there's things that lead into those numbers. Um, and Frank, and realistically, you're going to have to make decisions. You know, it, it, the, your CSM's time you can't spend you know equal time on every account and there are decisions that they're gonna to have to make to align that. Because the last thing you want is, a, a, you know, a, 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 what you don't wanna do on the flip side is maybe you, it's the wrong solution for a customer and you just invest just a tremendous amount of energy when maybe realistically there was a mistake. We, we both made a mistake and entered the partnership yeah. with the wrong step. And you just don't wanna get yourself clawed into that situation where it's just, it's a, it's a lost cause. So sure. I, I've seen people do that around, just, you know, overthinking the customer success when, hey, this is this is not a good fit. For sure. Cool. I see we're running up on time. So I want to save time for the question I ask every guest that joins the show. Uh, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now. You join a new company. Churn and retention is not doing great. The CEO comes and says, uh, you need to turn things around. You've got 90 days to do it. What are you going to do with your time? First, I'd look at the data. So I would look at what data is available. Probably you're gonna also find that there's probably a lot of data missing that you'd like, because that's what I often find. You don't, you're, you haven't built the right insights. So I'd start with the data. Then I would then I would look at what we're doing. Um, and then ultimately the most important one. So I'd really build that as a foundation to understand what we're measuring, what we're doing, and then go talk to customers. You know, you know, look at the data, figure out who you want to talk to, who are successful ones, who are not successful ones, and maybe left and see if they'll be willing to have a conversation with you and really peel back. Because that's the most important one. But I think you need to build the foundation of understanding the internal perception first and then use that to map and really identify what are the core problems need to be resolved and then just go after those. You know, and the thing I think people try to do, boil the ocean, don't boil the ocean. Yeah. You know, go after one or two of the biggest things and just, you know, focus the focus team and, and, and move very quickly. Um, so, you know, again, it's around building the cross section of internal and ex in the customer view. Only the customer view is the most important one because that's what's that's what's making it. Those customers are the ones making the decision whether they're going to stay or and continue to invest or move to a different service. Yeah, I love that. Don't boil the ocean. Like, I think that's one thing I've definitely been guilty of in the past. And going into my new company now is definitely not going to make the same mistakes. Like, I think 
being hyper-focused on the biggest impact that you can have is always going to be much more effective than spreading yourself thin and trying to do too much and not really doing anything effectively. Cool. Last question. Like you have to, yeah. you have, you have to, one last thing is you have to also choose things that you can measure pretty quickly. Like, so the iteration is going to be a key thing. Yeah. You can't pick an improvement that's going to take, you know, like, I want to do this thing and I think it's going to impact renewal. Well, you can't wait 12 months or nine months, whatever the subscription is. You have 90 days. So you have to yeah. find things that you can measure, have indicators of success in a very short period of time. And iterate. Nice. So very last question then. Um, what's one thing you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? I think I would have learned to talk to more customers sooner. I've made mistakes many times where you get internally focused. I, I would actually at Cisco would be probably one of the areas where you spend so much time just trying to fix things internally. You just get caught and, and, and you lose the perspective of the customer. And so, you know, even saying this now, I'm like, hmm, and I, I even now question, am I spending enough time with my customers now? So, you know, I think it's one time it's it's very easy to get caught up in, I have to do this. This is the priority. You have to do this program. You have to hit this number. If, and you can get caught up in the internal, you know, engine of the, of the company and, and lose perspective. And so, you know, getting out and speaking to customers um, as often as possible um, is one of those things I, I, I would pr- do more in the past. And probably as I, even as I say it now, I look back and probably get back more and now too. again. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those things that's so easy to forget to do. Like you say, you get just so caught up in a thing, but it's definitely the biggest impact that you can have. Like with your time is really like putting the time to have those conversations. I think one of the challenges, like how do you systemize it in the sense that you're ensuring that your team uh, is consistently dialed in and speaking to customers? And uh, some of the, like the most successful companies I've spoken to, they all sort of have some form or of another of a system that's making sure that they've got regular touch points and they're uh, speaking because things change, like priorities change, and like not even like a customer that signs up today, they had a challenge, like they have challenges and problems today. A year from today, like you've already solved most of those. Like they've got new problems, they've got new challenges. Like continuously speaking to them helps you understand how you can iterate and move with them as well. Like so, it's not just like it's a never-ending process. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it doesn't matter how robust your metrics are. There's a context in your customers' environment, in their challenges, in their culture that you're never going to see by even the most robust robust internal metrics. So just getting out just helps fill in the gaps and brings back really valuable insights to a number of different conversations. Absolutely. Well, David, it's been a pleasure chatting to you today. Uh, is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with, like anything they should be aware of with your work? Or Well, first, Andrew, thank you for the opportunity. I really enjoyed the conversation. You know, I think for the for your listeners out there, you know, if there's something that's interesting, if there's a, a process you're working on, like I said, GitLab is the probably the most transparent company I've ever been at. And so, you know, everything, you know, aside from financials, customer information, security related information, pretty much everything's available. So um, whether it's customer success or sales or marketing, you know, check out our handbook. It's all in there. It's, it's all available. You can it's leverage it. Um, for your business or, or just take a look and see what we're doing. So I, I definitely invite people to take a look at that. Awesome. Yeah, we'll probably try and drop a few links in the show notes as well uh, now that we know that they're there. But yeah, thanks so much for joining. Uh, wish you best of luck now going to 2021 as you build the team out. Let's have a fantastic 2021. Cheers.
And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.